listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for your support of The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We're going north today. Very, very north and I west. Think, <laughs> I think this is the farthest north and probably the farthest west. Oh. We've, oh, wait, we've been in Hawaii before. Yeah. That's a little further west, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. It depends on... <laughs> I don't know. Geography. Uh, (laughs) Geography. (laughs) Not my strength. Um, Today, we're going to Eielson Air Force Base in Alaska. Joining us today, Chaplain Amadeus Gandhi, LCMS chaplain at Eielson Air Force Base. Chaplain Gandhi, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Well, it has been a while since we talked. I think last time we talked, it was during, was it our Happy Hobby series? It was the Happy Hobby series. We talked about bodybuilding. (laughs) That was great. Um, and you were just, I think, in the first steps of serving as a chaplain. I think maybe it might have just started. Yeah. Um, so so paint that picture for us. Help us understand what that journey to chaplaincy was all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when we did talk last, I believe I was still uh, a reservist. So... I entered into the uh, Air Force chaplaincy right after Vicarage, um, which I served at a shepherd of the city in Fort Wayne. And uh, I entered into the the chaplaincy as a candidate. So if you didn't know, the military offers a candidate program while you're you're, uh, attending seminary. That candidate program uh, allows you to really kind of assess your candidacy for the military chaplaincy. And so you will go to officer training school. And if they have any schooling throughout the summers of your seminary time, you'll go to those schoolings. You'll uh, visit some bases and just assess, you know, is this, is this your niche? Uh, Can you serve in this capacity? And so you serve that time until you graduate seminary or ordained, and then they reappoint you from the candidate program into the reserve corps. And while you're reservist, you can choose to either serve in a traditional reservist capacity that one week in a month, two weeks in a summer uh, drill time as a chaplain. Or you can uh, become a IMA reservist, which is an individual mobilized augmentee reservist, and you backfill active duty chaplains and active duty uh, Air Force bases, which is what I did. And so right before coming on active duty, um, I, they called me up on IMA reserve orders to Alaska to backfill for six months. And then at the same time, my active duty assessment was going through and that dropped or that, 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 that cleared that went through. And so they allowed me to just stay up here in Alaska right after that. So that's how I got to where I am today. Interior Alaska. How long have you actually, yeah. How long have you actually been in Alaska then? So this October will be two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been that long already. (laughs) We, uh, uh, especially those in interior Alaska, there is a difference by the way, between interior Alaska and Anchorage. So we are the real Alaskans up here. And we, we count our time up here by winters. So this will be our, huh. we'll, we'll have three winters under us before we leave. So we just, we're, we're leaving our, our second winter right now. Okay. All right. So, so describe where you actually are in Alaska since I, speaking of geography, I'm not sure that a lot of our <laughs> listeners might know Can't anything. Can't use a mitten like you do for Michigan. No. Yeah. yeah. It might, might 
know anything about the geography of Alaska. So where where actually are you physically located? Yeah. So if you look at the uh, Alaska, uh, the state of Alaska, and and you, if you just put a you know through a dart to the middle, you'll most likely hit Fairbanks, Alaska. And uh, I am about thirty minutes south of or southeast of Fairbanks. Um, yeah. So that right in the middle, we were probably the the most furthest north city. Um, before it's just nothing, right? Most people that hmm. live north of Fairbanks live in what's called the bush. And so they come hmm. to Fairbanks for resupplies, supply, and then they go back out to the bush. So Fairbanks is kind of the, the place right, right in the middle of the map or the state there. And in Anchorage, most people think we're, we're close. Anchorage is six hours at, at minimum south of Fairbanks, oh. uh, right on the coast there I did watch a docu-series one time on life in Alaska, and I'm fascinated <laughs> by it. But I won't ask you all of the cheesy questions. No, we did our but research walking like? docu-series, too. No, oh, did you? Oh, yeah. It didn't scare you off. That's good. So so what's it been like uh, adjusting to life in Alaska? Awesome. Uh, we, uh, we love Alaska. I actually came up as a candidate in 2018 to Ileson. Um, oh. and served here for 30 days. And so they kind of, I, I kind of got away with, uh, favoritism. No, I didn't. I didn't say that out loud. Um, but they, <laughs> they knew I, I liked being up here. So the air force asked me if I would come back. Um, uh, the, the wing chaplain up here, the Lieutenant Colonel up here asked if I could come back. I said, yes. And, uh, when I came up here in 2018, um, we had just, I just graduated from Fort Wayne and my wife, my dear wife was hoping for a call to Alaska. We actually oh. were called to Butler, Pennsylvania, and like the, the the week after, the Air Force called me to Alaska for thirty days, and it drove my wife nuts because she wanted to be in Alaska. <laughs> uh, so I left up here, but it was in the summer. I came up here. Uh, the summers are are beautiful, uh, very beautiful, gorgeous, very picturesque, and uh, the sun stays up twenty four hours or twenty three point seven hours. And really only sets on the horizon. So even at night, the, the daylight is still peering through your windows. So we have what's called blackout curtains and everybody has them. And we really try to kind of mirror the normal uh, daylight by kind of closing all the windows by like six, five, six o'clock at night and getting the kids all in the mindset of bedtime. But otherwise, uh, yeah, the sun's still poking through. Um, and then even in the winters, uh, the night is about 23, 23.9 hours. And then the sun comes up, kisses the sun, uh, the, excuse me, kisses the landscape, and it goes back down behind the trees. So it really rarely comes up above the tree line. Um, and then the cold uh, in the summer, I think it got up to 90, which was uh, wow. kind of uh, interesting. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, it, it was about 90 for about a week or two, I think. And then it dips back down. So we just kiss the, the kiss, the, the true summer feelings. And then in the winter I've seen, I think the lowest this, this past winter was negative 44, 45 without wind chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you do all the, like the frozen tundra things, like throwing boiling water outside and seeing it just turn into mist. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, that's a, it's a very interesting description of, of weather. I'm curious how many like different layers of, of coats you have. Like how big is your closet with all of your outdoor <laughs> gear? I can just imagine. <laughs> it's huge, actually. Uh, the Air Force has given me two sets of overcoats, um, really big, poofy, like the fur-lined hood thing. 
and then a really big poofy jacket. Um, they give you about three uh, pairs of long johns with uh, uh, long sleeve silkies, we call them. I guess it's made of this uh, kind of silky fabric. Um, and then, of course, your duty uniform and then your 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 your, your normal uh, a T-shirt that you wear under it. And then if you're uh, really working out in the, the snow, they also give you snow pants. And then they call them bunny boots, which have some outrageous number of uh, the, the boots. You can like live out in the wilderness in these boots and not feel the cold in your feet. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So what is what is uh what is the lifestyle like i mean uh, there's a all the things that, that we that we watch on tv with yeah. the uh survival shows of living out in the middle of nowhere but what is the lifestyle actually like uh in that part of alaska and on base yeah so imagine every alaska documentary series you've ever watched and kind of throw that out the window because i live in a house with a heater <laughs> i have hot water uh, i'm not hunting i'm going to the grocery store like everybody else to get my food <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not scavenging. I'm not surviving by, by those, uh, uh, means, uh, but you can for sure. Like I live on the base. So, uh, they, they, uh, the base has housing for military members. So we live on the base housing. Um, there's a shopping center here to kind of get your groceries, uh, get your clothes that you need. And then if we go to Fairbanks, which again is about 30 minutes, 35 minutes away, there's actually a Costco there. And nice. that's how we measure society and civilization by if there's a Costco. <laughs> <laughs> the next measurement is Trader Joe's. We don't have one of those yet. Oh, um, but yeah, so there's a Costco. We could get, you know, bulk stuff and, uh, you know, think it back to bo bo my bodybuilding uh, discussion with you. I do eat a lot, so I'm glad there's Costco here. Um, <laughs> and we can buy everything, all the, all the amenities over there. Now, if you wanted to live in off base... Uh, you could live in, actually, it's called North Pole, Alaska. It's just 15 minutes away. And there is a perpetual Santa Claus house that stays open year-round. And it's a huge um, uh, a tourist attraction. Uh, so if you're interested, you know, I come. I, I actually took Bishop Hardy to, to, to see Santa Claus at the Santa Claus house. So uh, <laughs> took the bishop to see the bishop. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, meet St. Nick, Your Excellency. Um so there's the North Pole, 15 minutes north, and then there's Salcha, which is 15 minutes south. And most of the people who don't live on base live in either one of those two towns. And they would have more or less this kind of Alaska bush uh, experience because they're out in the woods. No one's plowing their snow for them. They got to do it all. Um, and uh, they're off grid. So there's really kind of, it's very hard to get Wi-Fi out there. A lot of people have dry cabins where you don't even have water kind of coming through the house. So you have to have a, they, they all have outhouses and um, bring in their water supply, bring in their fuel supply, bring in their wood supply, all these things to kind of maintain their house. And, um, you know, they live, if they're on the power grid, they live on the power grid of the city over there. So, yeah. That is fascinating. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that you have a Costco is quite impressive too. <laughs> so how about... Um, how has this been for your family making that adjustment from what life in Pennsylvania to life in Alaska? What has that move been like for them and how are they adapting to life just outside of Fairbanks? Uh, to, I, I'm truly blessed. My, my family loves Alaska. My wife, you know, since I, I got to come up here and she did it back in 2018, she's really uh, appreciated and enjoyed her time in Alaska. She loves it. 
the kids love it. I think I was outside yesterday with my, uh, one of the two middle kids and they, uh, she just wanted like, can I go play outside? Yes, you can. Let's go. So we suited up and just went outside to play. Uh, so we're blessed because my family loves Alaska. There are a lot of folks here at the base not expecting to come up to Alaska as their first assignment or at any assignment point in their career. And they don't like Alaska as much as we do. They don't like the isolation, the darkness, uh, transitioning to kind of, uh, get to the, the cold weather implements for vehicles and, and bodies. But my kids transition super easily. They, they don't mind putting on the big bulky clothes. They adjusted really easily to the daytime and nighttime schedule. Uh, they just enjoy it up here. They've got friends. They've got a community up here, things to do. So we stay really busy and active. Well, I can't wait to learn more. We'll continue our conversation with Chaplain Amadeus Gandhi at uh, Isleson Air Force Base in Alaska. In just a moment, you're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with Chaplain Amadeus Gandhi. He serves at Isleson Air Force Base in Alaska, learning about life in Alaska and uh, moving the whole family to Alaska and how they've adapted to that. Tell us about serving in Alaska as a chaplain. So serving as a chaplain has been very interesting, challenging, uh, interesting, but also very enjoyable and rewarding. It's not, it is in some sense how everybody described chaplaincy would be, but it's also not because uh, if you view the chaplaincy uh, well, like we do, it's a mission uh, field. It's a, it's a, I'm a missionary here to military service members. And so I, in my capacity as an ordained clergyman of the Missouri Synod, I act as a missionary to all the Lutherans that are assigned to the wing here at Isles. And so I still function very much like my brothers out in the civilian parish and still serve uh, the, all the Lutherans here at the, the, the base uh, through word and sacrament ministry. And so I'm still, I still very much hold on to my Lutheran identity, even though I'm serving in a very pluralistic ecumenical environment. I still get to retain that Lutheranness, if you will. Who are some of the people that you're able to uh, to meet and to talk about uh, Lutheranism with? I know I, I, I you you show up on my Facebook feed a whole bunch, so I get to see all of these <laughs> pictures and stories that you that you post about baptisms and and confirmation and, and weddings and and all of these things. Who are some of those people that you're able to meet and uh, and and talk about Lutheranism with? Yeah, so I've met. Um, so we we get uh, the chaplains have access to. Uh, the base roster, and we get to see when a member joins the military, they uh, declare a religious preference. And so I get to see on the roster who's declared um, Lutheran, uh, specifically Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And that is an option. So if any of our brothers and sisters out in the parish right now have children coming into the military 
encourage them to declare Lutheran Church Missouri Synod on their roster or on their uh, application. Because then I can see them and I can uh, directly reach out to them and call them and see if, how I might be able to serve them. Uh, a big thing is that I act as a, if you will, augmentee to um, our civilian brothers out in the parish. So Fairbanks does have an LCMS parish out there, uh, Zion uh, Lutheran Church, um, served by Father Carlson out there. And however, because of the Arctic environment climate, 35 minutes doesn't sound that bad in the lower 48, but up here it's miserable to drive 35 minutes just to a city uh, for one hour and then have to drive all the way back. And so I, I augment what he's doing out there by serving the Lutherans here. Um, and this is kind of um, still very much in development, but uh, he and I are planning on trying to establish a plant out in Sulcha to kind of more serve this community down here. So that's another story. But um, the intent is to still serve them uh, in the word sacrament capacity. So I've made, I meet military members from from all from all over the 40. I, I baptized uh, one of our members here who's from Minnesota, um, another one from Fort Wayne, um, another one from Nevada. And so uh, when they come over here, it's, it's uh, I get to connect with them and learn about them and 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 show them that I'm here to serve them. So I've got to baptize one of their babies. I've wedded a couple of folks. Um, I've got to serve the sacrament, leading confirmation. Uh, and so still very much acting in the capacity I would otherwise be in the civilian world. Uh, these folks uh, all reach out back to me and, and, and want to stay connected as a community here at the base uh, as well. What does the day-to-day -day look like for Chaplain Gandhi? What's typical day like? <laughs> uh, so that, 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 that rhythm, uh, that ritual helps me and my family kind of stay, stay grounded in our, our kind of Lutheran identity, our Christian identity. Um, and I say that because a lot of people can lose that mindset when they get to the, the chaplaincy. We, we get very busy here at the wing. It's a military operation here at the wing to, to prepare our, our troops for any global need that might pop up. Um, and so we are preparing in an Arctic environment to support an Arctic mission up here. And so the day-to-day -day reflects uh, our ability to mobilize our fighter wing. Uh, we are a fighter wing. We have fighter jets, the F-35 fighter jet. We've got about 50 or so of them. And then we also have F-16s up here. And so if if you're not awake by mm, 6.30, 7 o'clock, you'll wake up to an alarm clock that we call the sound of freedom up here. And it's after burners kicking off at 7 o'clock in the morning for all these jets taking off. And so you get to wake up, literally wake up to the sound of freedom. So you wake up to the sound of freedom. Uh, <laughs> Get ready for the day. I, I try to do PT in the morning, so physical training in the morning. Um, I try to get that done around 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning so I can get back to the house by about 6.30. Uh, let Britta and the kids all get uh, ready for the day, too. And then at 7.30, we have matins. Um, I do have a, a chapel in my house, and I don't know if you want to get into that, but we've got a chapel in my house, and so we, we pray matins together as a family every morning at 7.30. And then I'm out the door by eight o'clock to go to the office and the base does have a chapel, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Uncle Sam builds a temple, if you will, on the base and it's uh, governed and, and owned by Uncle Sam. But nonetheless, it's a chapel uh, that serves the religious community here at the base. And so at the chapel, we have the offices. So um, I sit here at the office with four other chaplains. Uh, let's see, an evangelical guy. Um, two assemblies of God. And then I can't remember what the other one is, um, but they also have their, we call it endorsement. They have their uh, 
religious background, denominational background. And then um, I get to the computer, check the emails, and, and most of the tasks that we get as chaplain are kind of religious support out on the flight line. And that could be prayers out there, that could be Bible studies, that could be um, walking through the units, what we call a unit engagement. Um, that could be hosting res spiritual resilience events for some of the troops out here. We do quite a bit of counseling. Uh, and so from, I say, eight o'clock to kind of nine o'clock, I'm looking at my calendar for the week and really starting to put in my appointments for, for all of these things. Uh, chaplains act as advisors to the leadership uh, here at the wing. And so we advise them on spiritual matters, religious matters, but also kind of morale matters as well. And so to get that to gauge that morale level, we, we hit the units and, and hang out with the units, do the things that they do, uh, schedule meetings, presentations, briefings with them to kind of gain that assessment. And then we share that with commanders so they can know what to do uh, and support the, 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 the men and women that are serving out here. And then we're usually, most of us are usually clocked out by 4.30 in the afternoon, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And then it's uh, chilling at home with the family. I am curious about uh, the chapel you have in your house. I've seen pictures of it. Uh, what do you what do you use that for, and why is that important to you to have that space in your own home? Yeah. So the chapel um, at the base serves as a kind of multifunctional worship space for all the different religions that are represented at the wing. There is, however, one small room in the base chapel called the Blessed Sacrament Room. And it serves mainly the Roman Catholic community, and it acts as a permanent place for them. Now, in the military, we are not supposed to have kind of permanent religious structures or permanent religious representation in the chapel because we serve in that ecumenical, multi or pluralistic environment. Um, but they've, in the history of the Roman Catholic chaplains in the chaplain corps, um, have been uh, given... Uh, that space, that permanent space uh, for the Roman Catholic community at the wing. And this is, this has been for, for, for many, many, many years. So it's not like uh, it just happened yesterday, but because it's been in their history and tradition to have this space and because most of the base population are Roman Catholic and because the chaplain uh, serves or, or celebrates daily mass or offers more daily consistent things, that space is uh, provided for them on a 24 seven basis. Now me, I'm kind of jealous of that because I have to set up my mass. I have to take it down. I have to set it up, take it down, set it up, take it down. So I wanted something that was a little bit more permanent, um, but I can't have anything at the chapel um, just yet. We'll see, but I can't have anything as permanent as say the Roman Catholics have with the blessed sacrament. When my family and I moved into this house, this is a much uh, bigger house. And I say that as a blessing than we could have ever imagined. Um, Many people tell us they're going to come visit us in Alaska, but we kind of know they won't because it's, <laughs> it's kind of costly to get up here. So there's a spare bedroom in our house. And instead of turning it into a spare bedroom or for guests, we, we, my wife and I decided to convert it into our permanent chapel where we can serve um, our family and the community, the Lutheran community here at the base in that chapel. And they will always have a space where they can go to to be in the presence of God 24-7 uh, at, at any point of their, uh, their time here at Eilson. And so that's what that chapel has become. And I've continued to add things to it as, as I'm able um, to kind of make it more uh, homey for us. And uh, by us, I mean Lutheran community. So I, I've, I've celebrated some of the, the daily uh, 
uh, weekday feast days there. Um, I invite the community, the Lutheran community, to come and to join me in those. Uh, we have uh, confirmation there. Uh, we have midweek vespers there. And so that space has become a very, very nice, intimate setting for uh, me and the Lutheran community that's here at the wing. Long answer. <laughs> Great answer. Yeah. Great answer. Uh, what, what's been the best thing about chaplaincy in Alaska? What do you love most about being a chaplain there? Have you ever touched an F-35? <laughs> Not. I, can't I don't think I have. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the best part is the, actually the, the challenges of meeting people where they are. Uh, in our local communities, we kind of get a sense of the diversity of where people are in their, you know, more or less quote unquote walk of faith. Um, and we kind of get an idea of what are the needs, specific needs of that community. But the, uh, the interesting thing about the military community, as much as you can say, I know exactly what military people need. It's, it's constantly changing. People are moving in, moving out. Uh, it's people live here at the base for only two, three, four years at the most. And then you get a new, um, a new group of folks that come through and the old group leaves and I leave. And so it's constantly changing. And so learning about the different people, uh, their understandings of the Christian, their understandings of the Christian faith and uh, being able to navigate some of the things they grew up with. Um, uh, like someone who's never heard of Ash Wednesday, like how can you be a Christian and not know what Ash Wednesday is? And so I get to offer that I'm, on this Wednesday, I'm celebrating a, a, a Ash Wednesday service here for the whole wing. And I still get to retain my Lutheran identity. It's going to be from LSB uh, or TLH. I think of TLH and, um, and maybe people get to ask questions and I get to engage them with the background that they have and answer some of those things. So the challenge, I really enjoy the challenge. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed learning about your life as a chaplain serving at Eielson Air Force Base. Uh, I think we probably have about a dozen more questions, but we're all out of time. <laughs> so I guess we'll have to just chat again in the future. <laughs> chaplain Amadeus Gandhi, LCS chaplain at Eielson Air Force Base in Alaska. Thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.